Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org, or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. I got inspired by this show where this girl who was suffering from cancer lost her hair, so her friend shaved her head in solidarity with her. So I decided that I wanted to shave my head in solidarity with people who are in hospitals right now. Welcome to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. We're a community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research through a three-day experience of cycling and volunteering. I'm your host and COO of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an amazing community, and it's through research that we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the Elbrands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. It's because of them and this dedicated community that all of this is possible. Brian Gilchrist was a man full of life. While no individual can truly be defined by words, he's been described with strength, courage, and dignity amongst others. Those are the same sentiments that would also define his journey with cancer. For this episode, I sat down with his wife, Erin, and daughter, Lydia, whose father's personality is so clearly seen, even at a young age. Even in the midst of a very tragic situation, Erin was approached by a coworker who had an idea. This began the start of her personal and passionate dedication to our one goal. So we'll start there in this episode titled, Humble, Grateful, Courageous. Let's talk about Safe Flight and, you know, obviously a local company to Columbus, uh, your employer, someone you're passionate about working for and, and we're grateful to have in our community and as part of the Pelotonia community. and. Um, obviously, you're very involved in the Peloton and the team and, and leading that. And how did that come about? How did that start? What got you up and moving and, and to be a part of our movement? I started to tiptoe into the waters due to a friend of mine who knew um, that my husband was sick. Mm-hmm. And she was the volunteer coordinator um, in Athens yep. and then in Gambier, Elizabeth Howard. And then as soon as I could do anything. She was right back at it, like, okay, what are we doing? Let's get um, with the Safe Light Foundation. Let's start a Peloton. Um, I know what I know. This organization, mm-hmm. they're near and dear to me. I can, we can navigate. Let's be co-chairs, and that's what we did. So we started a Peloton at Safe Light, and ever since then, I mean, I planned on being a volunteer, yeah, like forever, right? Yeah. I remember our first kickoff meeting. Um, I'm, I'm up at a podium talking to people and saying, here's why you should get involved. And we're showing videos and you guys were so helpful with all the resources as usual. And one of the folks in the crowd, my friend, Matt Mazzolini, who also rides, he said, um, why aren't you riding and volunteering? Like why get on a bike? Yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm done. doing it. 
I hadn't ridden a bike since I was a kid. I'm like, I'm gonna sign up for the 25, but about two weeks later, I was signed up for the 100. I've been doing 100 or 180 every year since. Erin's involvement in Pelotonia didn't really get started until after her husband, Brian, passed away from colon cancer in 2013. In many ways, her work for our one goal was also therapeutic as it helped her work through the grieving process. While the loss of Brian is felt often, what isn't lost are the memories of his dynamic personality. He was funny, sarcastic, <laughs> super fashionable, uh, meticulous. You know, he was in fashion and design, and he just was very particular about how he presented himself. Yeah. Um, and he was really handsome, <laughs> really, really handsome. And he was super loving and laid back, which is my opposite. So he chilled me out, um, thank goodness. He was an avid basketball player, really, really good, played in college at Walsh University with his brother, who's also gone now. And um, he played in an over 30 league when after, you know, we got married and stuff. And so we used to tease him, you know, about playing with the old guys. But um, he'd still whip it up um, on the young guys. I have nine brothers, and he schooled them um, all the time, which I loved so much. I feel, like an, I feel like an old college athlete, no matter what their age, can go just take anyone at any time mm -hmm. on a playground. Yeah. So he was competitive. Oh, my word, Barry. Yeah. In a, in a good way, did mostly. That, did that come out ever, like, at the time of the diagnosis? Like, how did he respond to it? And a lot of people, you know, that have the competitive bone to them, like, that comes out in a moment like that. Yeah, he um, very gracefully and quietly uh, battled his cancer. Uh, he did what the doctors told him. He... Um, I mean, I was fortunate enough to be able to be with him, thank you, Safe Flight, at every treatment. And he um, never complained. He uh, enjoyed life. If you didn't know, you wouldn't know that he had cancer because he just, um, it wasn't a stretch for him to live every day like it could be his last. So when he got diagnosed, he kept on with that, but even better. Can you talk about just the timeline of that and the journey uh, and the experience of, of going through that battle with him? Brian and I um, have five children, and uh, I was um, pregnant at the time, and our youngest, Simon, um, it was just a few days before his first birthday um, when we found out that Brian had cancer. Um, and we since miscarried um, Sebastian, our number six, um, during that time. So there was just a lot going on. But I can tell you that um, the strongest person in all of it was Brian. Um, he was feeling not well, and he was someone who never got sick. And so we knew something was up, um, and they were kind of checking everything. And I finally said, you know, um, we've had enough blood tests here. Let's let's scan this guy and see what's going on. And immediately they, my doctor, an amazing human, another amazing human in my life, Robert Fitch, 
he called me and said, hey, um, can I come over to your house? And I said, yeah, you can anytime, like for dinner, but I need you to tell me <laughs> why you, you want to come over. Why, right why now. we need to talk in person. So I remember stepping outside of the house and all the kids were home. And um, Brian's symptoms were sort of flu-like symptoms. So I just didn't know what he was going to tell me. When he told me that his tumor marker levels were very high and that the scans showed um, colon cancer, but that it was uh, metastasized in his liver and um, that it was very serious. And so um, I am a, action helps me. I like to act. So um, immediately we, we went to a specific hospital and we were sitting in this office and it was sort of a gloomy um, environment. And I remember this doctor bringing Brian and I back into a room. So the beginning was tough because that was unexpected. So when someone's going to tell you that your spouse is dying and there's no chance of surgery and that it was terminal and the best thing that could happen is they could treat him and if he responded to treatment then we they could keep him alive for probably 18 to 48 months and so um that was the picture he was painting as like best case scenario oh best case yep. right and so immediately i said you know so it's in the liver and that's the problem so it metastasized to the liver can i see pictures of his liver. We went into his office and he pulled this scan up on his computer. And so if you can picture um, a dinner plate with jelly beans on it, just like 10 jelly beans on a dinner plate. Um, I said, so the jelly beans, those dots are his cancer. He said, no, those are his good tissue and everything else is cancer. At that point, we were in the waiting room because they had to schedule other tests, right? They needed to do um, some scopes and they needed to put a power port in and they needed to do um, a body scan, another one, a bone scan. So there were four or five different procedures that had to happen as well as another colonoscopy. And so I um, was waiting and listening and um, Brian was really sick, so he wasn't in a wheelchair, he couldn't walk up the stairs at that point. So I just remember um, getting this feeling, and I don't know where this courage came from, but I'm so glad for it, so grateful for it. I remember walking up to the counter and just saying, hey, you know, what's the hold up here? I could tell that she was working on it. And I didn't want to hurt her feelings, but I also knew that I needed to get Brian home and this place was a death camp. So I just said, You'll, ne you'll never have to see me again, I can promise you that, um, because we'll find somewhere to be treated. It's, it won't be here. But I want you to help me right now, and I want you to get off the phone and talk to me. And I just told her that we wanted to schedule all the procedures in one day, in, and I wanted it to be that week, and that we'd come back in a week, and they could tell us what they needed to tell us, and then she wouldn't have to deal with me again. So that worked out. So we got all those procedures done in one week, or in, in one day. And um, I remember my doctor joining us. 
He was there with me the whole this time. This is your doctor that was your friend. And, he delivered yeah. the babies. He's our family doctor. Yeah. He's 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 our amazing everything. Amazing to have someone like that. In your life. He's our OB GYN. He's everything. He's amazing. So he came there and he was with us because it was the hospital where he did some teaching, and um, we were treated somewhere else. But I can tell you that um, having all that done in one day and getting that over with for Brian saved his life because um, he, 11 days from the day of his diagnosis was his first treatment. And that was awesome because had he not gotten that treatment pretty close to that day, um, there would have been no turning back. And so that afforded us a couple of years, uh, two, almost two and a half to be exact. And he got to spend time with his babies and see Simon and Lydia, you know, grow up to be at least four and three. Lydia, would love to just ask you, I know you were young when your father passed away, but what's like a memory you have of him? Um, well, so our old iPad, which we lost, I used to play this video constantly but it was him and mom, and they were sending us a video because they were on a trip somewhere. I think you were in Cali. You brought dad on one of your work trips, and you were in California, I think. I think we were in San Francisco. And yeah. Stella would show me the video, and I would always watch that video, and it was, dad would make a joke, and it was funny. And I would just watch that as one of my memories because um, I don't remember very much of him, so that was mainly what I did to remember him. Yeah, that's special. That's really special. I'm certain he's looking down and amazingly proud of you. So, you know, you uh, were remarried to Tom uh, in August of 2019. And what's that experience been like? And, you know, to, to find love twice uh, in a lifetime. And, and what's the experience that you share with Tom about Brian and, and everything that goes into that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I'm happy, and um, I'm fortunate. It's probably the best word. So grateful, so fortunate to um, have found love again. I, I never thought I would. I wasn't looking when I found Tom. And so, well, I guess he found me is what he would say, so if he's listening. And I, I think that um, it's been a, a difficult journey. Um, to blend families, to um, allow someone else in after, you know, you feel like you'll never love again, you'll never find the kind of love that you had with your, your best friend, your life partner, you know, the words that people use to describe their person, right? So I didn't think that there was another person for me, um, but there was and there is and it's beautiful. Um, Tom shares in our pain, our grief, our happiness, our gratitude, um, in our journey to fight cancer. Um, his mom's a survivor of several times. Um, and he has um, survivors in his family. And so cancer, I think, touches every single person, but it touches Tom in, in that very intimate way and also very intimately being married to someone who lost their spouse. Um, how do you kind of walk into a family? You know, people were glorified in death, 
right? They never did anything wrong, the most amazing person. Well, Brian was an amazing person. And and to walk into a family and of, of five children and bring his daughter Maddie along and um, to, to step into that and join into that, not easy, but it's because of the person he is and the man he is that um, he, he could do that so beautifully. Um, so it hasn't been easy, but it's been um, beautiful because nothing, I think nothing comes without pain and suffering and hardship. And I think that just makes us um, more aware and stronger and more diligent. And, um, you know, you have to work harder. And so when you work hard for something the way that Tom and I have, um, it's fruitful, continues to be fruitful. So let's talk about Pelotonia and how that's become an outlet and something positive in your life. And, you know, you sort of came to Pelotonia, um, you know, looking for an outlet and how can you turn frustration and anger and all of these things you've experienced into, you know, into action, like you said. And like, what, what has that been like? What are some of your favorite parts of Pelotonia? I have lots of favorite memories um, so far because there'll be so many more. But I think that Ride Weekend, um, it's just, it's like nothing I've ever experienced before um, in my life. Um, you know, when I think about going to somewhere where everyone's there for the same reason. Okay, so like a concert, you know, like I remember back in the day, you had a Grateful Dead show and there's a bunch of passionate people about a lot of things, not just the music. So getting together um, with all those folks and the coordination of all of it and the energy of all of it, and riding with my brother, who's so fantastic, um, and just going by farms. You know, you're on a country road a lot. <laughs> I've In the been middle of nowhere, some country roads, <laughs> and there's nothing. And then all of a sudden, you hear all this cheering, and someone's at the end of their very long driveway with a tent that they've put up, and their family's there, and there's signs about the way that they've been impacted by this organization and the James and you know if you're tired or you're hot or whatever the case is it, it renews your sense of of purpose right then over and over the whole entire ride weekend all the people that you meet and hear all their stories so it's just been it's been amazing you know just thinking about the new format for this year and Obviously, the you know we made a change from having a physical ride in August to really giving the community the tools and the freedom to go uh, make Pelotonia whatever you want it to be. And you know we did that because we really felt like it was never just about the ride. And you know obviously you know that more than more than anyone. And um, curious to hear what your Pelotonia is going to be this year. And you know Lydia, we remove the age restriction of riding, which is typically, you know, 14 years old to ride in, in the big ride. And um, so there's no age limit to Pelotonia this year. And curious what both of your Pelotonias are gonna look like. So as a family, we're gonna, you know, each um, register individually, but we're gonna ride 25 miles as a family with Lydia's younger brother, Simon, um, who's just 15 months younger than her. So he's the big 10. And then for my Pelotonia, I'm going to ride uh, 500 miles 
um, between now and ride weekend. Um, I'm hoping I super crush that, but that's where, yeah. where I'm, that's where I'm a lot of miles. Just that's less miles than I would typically do during this time. But, um, my work situation is it's busy right now. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Um, with sort of part of my team furloughed and whatnot. So I just have to be realistic, but at least 500 miles and then, um, 25 with my family, I'm going to raise five grand. Hopefully I'll crush that too. And then, um, I plan on, uh, with my team, uh, Kathy Domer on the, and, and Elizabeth Howard on the safe light, um, Peloton, uh, we are going to host a ride. Um, so I'm our writer experience chair now. It's the role I've taken on the last few years, um, sponsoring, you know, training rides and sharing information and resources with everyone on our Peloton, host a, uh, a century ride, um, oh, wow. with our Peloton. And then if folks want to um, opt in to just part of that, we're going to route it so that it's an easy turnaround point for those who want to do maybe 25, 50, 75, et cetera. But we're going to do a day-long um, century ride as a Peloton. Yeah, that's so cool. So, so far, those are my goals. That's so cool. Well, you are not short on goals, which is awesome. Um, we love, love to hear that. So, uh, Lydia, I want to talk about your head shaving uh, because... You know, I, uh, some people know this, I, sh I had a beard for seven years, uh, which I, I shaved as part of my Pelotonia. So when I heard you had shaved your head, uh, I feel like you totally one-upped me, which is amazing. Um, but would love to hear what inspired you to do that, what made you want to do that, um, what the experience was like shaving your head. The main reason that I did it is I got inspired by this show where this girl who was suffering from cancer um, lost her hair, so her friend shaved her head in solidarity with her. So I decided that I wanted to shave my head in solidarity with people who are in hospitals right now and just in general. Yeah, what's the show called? It's called Alexa and Katie. So what was it like when, you, you know, who shaved your head? Did your mom shave your head? Yeah. Uh, what was it like? Um, honestly, you'd think it'd be more like crazy, but it's really not. It actually makes a lot of things easier. <laughs> One of the main things that was different was the way that people look at you. That doesn't really bother me because I know the only thing that matters is what I think of myself and what God does, honestly. So. Yeah, so it never really mattered to me, so I was fine with doing it. Thanks to Aaron and Lydia for sharing their story with us. Well, this is where we normally end our episode. We have one more thing to share with you. Earlier, Aaron told the powerful moment about the first doctor's appointment with Brian. There's more to that specific part of their journey. Aaron and Brian were an interracial couple, and during that appointment, the doctor only initially talked directly to Brian. Aaron took offense to this and reminded the doctor that she and Brian are in this together as one and that he should be talking directly to both of them. As you'll soon hear, this could have been culturally or race related, but I think it's important to hear directly from a member of our community as it relates to the issues we faced in the past, present, and hopefully less so in the future. It's only four minutes, but I think the message, heart, and intent is important during this time. So with all of this in mind, I asked Erin how the Black Lives Matter movement impacts her and shared my own very personal connection. 
I mean, it, it means everything. Um, you know, it, it, when I do go back to that appointment, um, this physician actually, um, I'm not sure where he was from, um, but I can tell you that in his culture, women aren't valued. So it was probably a little bit about the fact that we were an interracial couple, and it was a lot about the fact that I was a woman. And personally, I have plenty of stories I could share that Brian and I could share about being an interracial couple, that Brian could share about growing up black and the many, many stories that his family has shared about being black. I can share stories about when I've experienced things with Brian. Um, but that particular story was um, pointed because it was a time when we were hearing about like the most devastating news of our life. And um, I guess what I'm super grateful about in that moment is that I had that awareness to say, hold on a minute, this isn't okay. And, and I'm gonna speak out right now in this moment to tell you that it's not okay that you're not acknowledging me. I'm here, we're partners, we're one, and anything that you're gonna tell Brian, you're gonna tell me, because we're gonna go through this together. We, uh, as an organization, you know, have made a couple statements now and, and sent an email this week, and one of the things that that email said was Black Lives Matter, which, you know, as you know, is, uh, can, can be a bit of a controversial statement in certain circles, and you know, we, um, you know, I think it was really something that that I heard and we shared with our team. But um, you know, of all people, Ashton Kutcher uh, came out and said something that I thought was pretty simple and pretty amazing. Uh, but he was sharing with uh, his son. So he has, I believe, a son and a daughter, or at least one son and at least one daughter. Um, he does story time every night for their kids. He reads books. And every night, he reads his daughter the story before he reads his son the story. And his son complained about it one morning. And he said, you know, it's important that my daughter, your sister, knows she's important. Because there's people in the world who don't think she's important. And it's the exact same thing with Black Lives Matter. It's not saying anyone else isn't as important, but collectively as a organization, as a community, as a global society, we have not acknowledged that Black Lives Matter for a really long time. And I think that's why that statement is so important, is because black lives do matter. And, and it's not saying other people's don't, but Black Lives Matter, and it's, I think, a, an amazing platform that people are getting behind. And personally to me, I mean, you know, I was sharing with you, my daughter's biracial. Um, to me, this feels like the first time that things are starting to happen. Uh, and it's, it's a very amazing experience to be in front of, and I hope our society continues the momentum that we have. We want to thank Aaron and Lydia once again for sharing an important message with us and acknowledge our major funding partners, Peggy and Richard Santulli, the L Brands Foundation, Huntington, and the American Electric Power Foundation. Because of them, every penny raised goes directly to innovative cancer research. This is what's coming up on One Goal.
and there was a woman in her front yard and she didn't have bells or anything. You saw that she had was holding an IV and her head was completely bald and you looked up and she just had a sign that said, thank you. So, so that feeling, that energy, that emotion that that woman gave to you or the man who has the sign, thanks to you, my wife is here, is what you're giving to your loved one who's sick, to the nurse who's taking care of them. That's the thank you that you can give. You've been listening to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. The first half of season two will be hosted by me, Chief Operating Officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar, with interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications team duo, Emily Smith and Gabby Blower. Produced, mixed, and sound designed at the studios of Wessler Media by Vince Tornero. Additional mastering by Joey Gerwin at Orin Judio. Special thank you to all of our guests for being so open and willing to share their amazing stories. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as that will help others hear these empowering journeys. If you're curious about joining the Pelotonia community, please see the link in the episode notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.